Leapers. Written and read by TJ Tooley. Part 5 June 9th, 2015 I've got a package for Isaac James. I don't really go by that name anymore. Also, I didn't order anything. Who's it from? Isaac emerged from behind a stack of boxes inside one of his storage units. Standing in front of him was his father, Brandon James. He was smiling and holding a small cardboard box. What the hell do you want? Brandon looked confused. Aren't you surprised to see me? I thought you would have heard by now that I am legally dead. I didn't see you at the funeral, which I assumed was because you were mad at me. I never considered that you would somehow not have known. Oh, I knew. I just thought I could go, or I could do literally anything else. Isaac turned around and started working on the door frame he was building. Honestly, that hurts me a little, son, Brandon said as he absentmindedly drummed on the box with his fingers. I know I wasn't always there for you, but I did my best. Yeah, well, your best wasn't good enough, was it? Isaac continued working without looking at him. I had to grow up on my own. I had to raise myself. Work and booze were always your priorities. When I heard you died, I assumed you got trashed and drove your car off a highway. That's not fair. I worked hard to give you the future your mother never wanted you to have. Isaac walked through the freshly cut hole in the wall into his second storage unit. He sat down on an old lawn chair and gestured for Brandon to sit across from him on a dusty futon. If you're going to insist on talking to me, we might as well sit down. I won't take up too much of your time. I just wanted to bring some things to you before I go. I'm not sure how long I will be gone for or even if I will return at all. So I wanted to say goodbye and give these to you in person. He held out the box for Isaac to take. He grabbed it and opened the lid. Inside was a wreath of black roses with one white rose, and beneath it was a folder full of loose pages. You have a brother, Isaac, Brandon said as he handed him a picture. His name is Carson. I didn't tell you about him before because I'm not allowed to see him and... I didn't want you growing up knowing about him, but never seeing him. So you lied to protect me? That's so annoyingly cliche, Isaac said as he inspected the photo. You're telling me that I've had family that isn't you or my mother this whole time, 
but instead of meeting them, I got to be raised on my own by random people in our apartment complex and the homeless shelter across the street? It's not that simple. Well, then make it simple. Why are you telling me all this? Why now? Because I'm leaving, Isaac, Brandon yelled as he stood up and started pacing around the room. I have a chance to do something brilliant, a chance to leave an impact on the entire world, even if nobody will ever know it's me. You may never see me again because of this. You and your brother will need to look out for each other now because I won't be around to. Isaac stared at his father with anger and pain in his eyes. Do you know what it's like to not be wanted? To not be loved? To know your mother never wanted to have you and that your father's too busy to care about you? I was never to... No, you don't, Isaac yelled as he walked away from him. He entered a third unit he had fashioned into a bedroom and slammed the door shut behind him. Brandon walked over and knocked on the door. Isaac, I have to leave. My flight leaves in a few hours. I really didn't want things to end this way between us this time. Please open the door. Isaac sat in the dark with tears in his eyes. He heard his father try the handle, but it was locked. Okay, then. I understand, Brandon said through the door. Please find Carson. I gave him all of Kelly's in my research. He will be looking into that or the wreaths like the one I gave you. Find each other. Use the journal pages. Help each other. Hopefully we can be together in a few years. He tried the door one last time. Goodbye, son. I may not have been the best at showing it, but everything I've done for you is because I love you. Isaac listened as his father's footsteps faded away. He woke up his computer and pulled up the security cameras he had installed around the complex. He watched as his father got in a car and drove away. He wasn't sure what to feel. He walked back into his living room, picked up the box his father had left. He inspected the wreath of roses while trying to calm down. He set it to the side and inspected the picture of his brother. So, who are you? Carson James. February 29th, 2016. Let those who have taken the leap of faith step forward and make themselves known to the order. Who is the person you shall leave behind? The man with the deep voice whispered, Announce your name. Jesse Ford. Jesse's heart was ready to leap out of her chest. Three others announced their names, but she did not listen. She was too busy taking in her surroundings. For her whole life, even her mom and grandparents had been secretive about what the actual meeting room looked like. Now she was finally able to see it in all its glory. Standing in this very room was something she had wanted since she was a little girl. You have been selected based on your merits, your wit, your cunning spirit, and sense of purpose. We must continue the great work of those who came before us. Brother Beckham, please enlighten the new travelers about the history of our great cause. Jessie listened in awe to the story her grandfather told. She was obsessed with how connected everything was. The history of the Order was fascinating to her, and the fact that they were standing on the actual ship that brought the guidance to America was almost too much for her to handle. She simply could not help but smile, the ritualistic nature of the ceremony was the icing on the cake. She could not wait to learn all of the secrets. 
Once the ceremony had ended, she was greeted by so many familiar faces. She was in a unique position in that regard. She had known about the existence of the order well before initiation, and knew who all of the leaders were. She had grown up with all of these men around the mansion. Many of them she grew up calling uncle. Jessie met the others in her leap class and was introduced to some government officials she had not met yet. She was continuously impressed by the powerful men and women who were in the order. Their reach must be insane. Finally, her mom and the rest of her family made their way to her. She hugged them each in turn. Congratulations, sweetheart, her mom said as she handed her a black rose. You've earned this. We're so proud of you, Jessie. This is so cool. I love everything about this place, and the ceremony was awesome. I expect great things from you, Jessie, Gwendolyn said as she gave her a kiss on the cheek. Thanks, Gigi. I won't let you down. August 30th, 2016. Isaac sat back and admired his handiwork. The final touches on his new home were complete. Over a year of renovations finally paid off. His four-storage unit apartment was everything he had ever dreamed of. With his television windows, he could be living anywhere he wanted. Today, he was living on a sunny beach with the blue waves crashing on the shores just steps away. Content with his hard-earned rest, he decided to take a nap. Isaac had built a second floor above his office and server closet, accessible by a spiral staircase. The bedroom was the least completed room in the entire project. There were still many boxes of junk stacked to the ceiling along the walls. One box in particular stood out to him. The box given to him by his father. He tried to push it out of his mind, but as he tossed and turned, he realized that he was not going to get any rest after all. His mind was too preoccupied. Begrudgingly, he sat up from his bed, grabbed the box, and went downstairs to his desk. He plopped down on the chair and dumped the contents of the box in front of him. He looked at the picture of Carson for the first time in months, the mysterious brother he never knew, who had lived a privileged life while Isaac had nothing. He should hate this kid, but he didn't. He didn't blame Carson for what he had. If anything, he resented their father even more for abandoning two children. He set the picture to the side and opened the paper files. Inside were the same letters and newspaper clippings he had seen the last time he saw his father. Inside these files were a couple handwritten journal entries. He had skipped these last time, but now he was curious about what they said. In the first one, Stuart Kelly broke into the family home of Francis Gardner and found some ritualistic materials hidden in a wall panel. He did a quick search and learned that Francis Gardner was dead, but his family was extremely wealthy. His company, Gardner Industries, owned many of the businesses that Isaac frequented. His son, Harold, had been in trouble with the law a few times, including several ongoing civil suits from women he had employed over the years. The journal entry ended with Stuart Kelly deciding to visit Beckham Manor, looking for a woman named Gwendolyn. Isaac looked her up and found out that the Beckhams were also mega-wealthy, another example of the closest thing America had to royalty, like the Kennedys or Rockefellers if they didn't put their name on as many properties. Isaac read on as Stuart Kelly interviewed Gwendolyn, snuck away to find a secret room in the study, and was captured. Isaac was growing more and more intrigued by the secret organization. 
The wealthiest families in the state, possibly in the country, were both involved somehow, but he didn't think they sounded like Masons or any other organization he knew about. There was a reason his father had wanted him to have these journal pages. Perhaps he was part of this organization too and wanted him to learn about it. But why not just tell him? Isaac decided he needed answers and was tired of waiting. He got in a car somebody had left in another storage unit and drove upstate to Beckham Manor. When Isaac pulled up to the front gates of the manor, the old security guard refused him entry. He made him get out of his car and performed a search. Come on, man, this is stupid. I just wanted to ask somebody some questions about my dad. If I can't do it, that's fine. I'll just turn around and go home. You don't need to search my car. While he stood waiting, another car pulled in behind him. Behind the wheel was a young woman, maybe a little older than Isaac. He smiled at her and apologetically gestured to the man searching his rusty old car. She got out of hers, her hair blowing in the wind behind her. First time here? She asked as she walked up to him. It is, he answered, feeling more uncomfortable with every passing second. What brings you to Beckham Manor today? she asked as she sipped what looked like an iced tea. I recently inherited some documents from a relative I hardly knew, but the Beckhams were close to my family at some point, and I was just looking for some answers to try and learn more about who I am, you know? That's so cool, she said as she listened attentively to his story. I'll tell you what, why don't you leave your car here and come up to the house with me? Oh, I couldn't ask you to do that, Isaac said. Ma'am, I must state my disapproval of this idea from a security standpoint, the guard said as he emerged from Isaac's car. Just watch his car. It'll be fine, she said as she started walking towards her car again. Come on, get in. She gestured to the passenger seat, and Isaac obliged. The security guard moved Isaac's car, the giant wrought iron gate swung open, and they sped through up the winding road to the manor. I'm Jesse, by the way, the girl said as she smiled at him. I'm Isaac. Nice to meet you, Isaac. I think you're going to like it here. Jessie pulled her car up to the front of the mansion, and they were greeted by a man in a suit who took her keys and drove it away. Valet, nice, Isaac remarked. It's super nice, especially when it's raining or snowing. She led him in the main entryway and gave him a short tour of the main level. So what do you think? she asked as they returned to the front entryway. It's beautiful he answered while looking in awe at the high-painted ceiling. So does Gwendolyn live here alone, or do you live here too? She's my great-grandmother. She lives here, but everything's in my grandfather's name. He and my grandmother live here full-time. My mom had me when she was young, so I sort of grew up here. Are any of them here right now? Isaac asked. The ladies should be for sure. Let me go see if I can find any of them. Wait here for a second. Isaac watched as she quickly ascended the marble staircase. She almost ran into a butler as she turned the corner. Oh, sorry, Nigel. Hey, is anyone around? Your mother is having evening tea in the yellow room, madam. Thank you, Nigel, she called out as she ran off down the hall. Isaac waited for a few minutes before Jessie reappeared with a woman who could only be her mother. They looked exactly the same, one just a little older. You must be Isaac. Jessie's mom said as she approached with an outstretched hand. Yes, ma'am, Isaac said as he reached out and shook hers. I understand you have some questions about some of your relatives? Yeah, I was just looking for some answers. I'm not 
sure I will find them here, but it's worth a shot. Well, let's see what we can do for you, she said as she ushered him into a sitting room off the entryway. Jesse, your grandmother was waiting for you to get home before having her tea. You better not keep her waiting much longer. Oh, right, Jesse said, looking embarrassed. Sorry, Isaac, it was nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you, too, he called after her. Your daughter is lovely, miss. You really look just like him, she interrupted. I'm sorry, he said, taken aback. You look exactly like your father. A bit younger, sure, but you are definitely your father's son. You knew my father? he asked. He figured that his father was tied to the family in one way or another, but it was never a guarantee that they knew him personally. Oh, I knew your father, she said with a hint of disgust in her voice. I knew you too when you were very young. Me? How? I know you came here seeking answers, Jessie's mom said as she walked towards the door. But I'm afraid I cannot help you. Please, you don't understand. After my father's funeral, look, I'm sorry for your loss, but you really can't be here. She opened the front doors and gestured for him to leave. He looked back as he descended the stone steps at a loss for words. This whole situation had turned so quickly. May I ask why? He called out from the bottom of the steps. She locked eyes with him, and he saw a confusing mixture of anger and sadness in her eyes. Don't ever come back. With one final look back, she shut the door. February 18th, 2017. Jessie was sitting in her bedroom at Beckham Manor. She was sipping a refreshing tea while scrolling through some pictures she had just taken around the gardens. Soon, it would be spring and they would be in full bloom, her favorite time of year. As she edited a picture of the hedges she was particularly proud of, the butler, Nigel, knocked on her door. Lunch has been served in the green room, madam, he announced through the closed door. Thank you, Nigel. I'll be right down. Everybody was seated when she arrived. Her great-grandma was sitting at the head of the table and her grandma and grandpa on the side facing the windows. She took her usual place next to her mother across from her grandma. Good afternoon, Gigi, she said as she held her great-grandmother's hand. Good afternoon, Jessie, Gwendolyn said with a small smile. Jessie ate quickly, hoping to get back to editing her photos. Mr. Matthews said he still hasn't heard back from you, Jessie, her grandfather said as she finished her last bite. Oh, right. I'm just not sure I want to work in finance, that's all, she answered. It was not a total lie. She was not sure what she wanted to do with her life, and she also thought Mr. Matthews was extremely creepy. She was not keen on working for a 75-year-old man who called her sweet cheeks and patted her on the butt every time she had seen him since she was eight. "'What about the DA's office?' her grandma asked. "'I know you had an offer for an internship there, too.' "'I just really haven't had time to reply to—' "'What about working for Harold?' her grandfather asked. "'Or—' Working for the paper for Henry, her mom asked. I just don't... You have to do something with your life, girl, her grandfather said firmly with a raised voice. I know, Jessie said as she slumped down in her chair. I know I need to do something. I just don't want to be stuck doing one thing forever, you know? Well, you will never know what you want until you try something. Jessie looked around the table. Neither of her grandparents would look her in the eyes. They were showing their disapproval of her. She was growing more used to this treatment every day. 
Her great-grandmother Gigi had pulled her hand away, but at least met her gaze. She looked to her side and locked eyes with her mother. Jessie, you have one year from today to have a job, or I won't have any choice but to kick you out of the manor. Jessie could feel the tears swelling in her eyes. She didn't know what to do. She felt helpless, floating in a sea of uncertainty. Excuse me, she said as she stood up and walked quickly out of the room. Once she was in the hallway, she ran as fast as she could to her bedroom. She locked the door, laid in her bed, and cried. May 29th, 2017 Isaac sat alone in his apartment. For almost his entire adult life, he had been content throwing himself at his work to keep busy, never taking a step back to evaluate his life or wish he had more. This week, however, was an exception. He was hired to obtain the financial records of one Joseph Beckham. It was an easy job for someone with his skill set, but it made him remember his trip to Beckham Manor and the rejection by the girl Jessie's mother, which in turn made him remember why he was there in the first place, the box his father had given him on the day of his own funeral. Filled with renewed anger, Isaac could not get the box out of his head. He dug it out from under a stack of boxes in his storage unit entryway and re-examined the contents. The roses in the wreath were long since dried out. The fragile petals fell apart in his hands. The old newspaper clippings and journal pages were starting to show signs of age, but remarkably well-preserved was the picture of his brother, Carson. Deep down, he had always dreamt of having a brother, or any family at all for that matter. He took the picture of Carson with him, sat down at his desk, and began doing a search for everything he could find on Carson James. For hours, he scoured the web for any information he could find on his brother. He was not too difficult to find. His social media accounts were set to public. He had not been a journalist for very long, but Isaac could tell by the sheer number of stories that Carson had written that he was building up a name for himself in the industry. He hacked into Carson's personal computer and found the story he was working on. He was surprised to see it was more of a puff piece than the rest of his work. Perhaps his new official job at the Times was forcing him to earn the bigger stories. Carson was covering the mayor's Memorial Day weekend event in the park. Isaac figured his brother would be at the event in person to obtain quotes and perhaps take some photos for his story. Isaac watched the event through the city surveillance cameras until, on the busiest day of the weekend, he saw him. Carson James flashing his credentials around, interviewing anybody who would talk to him. Not content simply watching from above, Isaac got dressed, hopped on the train, and a few stops later was at the park. He followed Carson around for almost an hour as he interviewed random people. He was fascinated as the story turned from a simple piece about the community to one of governmental mistrust and potential calls for the mayor's resignation. Lost in thought about how he could profit from a mayoral election, Isaac let his guard down. He was snapped back to reality when Carson locked eyes with him and approached. Excuse me, sir. Hi, Carson James, reporter for the Times. I'm gathering citizen stories about this weekend and the mayor himself. Can I get a quote from you? Uh, yeah, sure, Isaac mumbled while trying to avoid eye contact. Are you enjoying the events here at the park and around the city? I, I just got here, so I... That's okay, Carson cut in. What do you think of the mayor? I, um think he's doing okay? Any policies you like or don't like? Anything you wish he was doing or wish he wouldn't do? 
Isaac knew what a lot of people were saying online about the mayor, but he didn't have any significant political opinions himself. Not really, he answered timidly. Thank you for your time, sir, Carson said hastily as he deleted the recording from his phone and started walking away looking for another person to interview. As Isaac watched him disappear into the crowds, he couldn't help but smile. It's nice to finally meet you, brother. February 5th, 2018 Jessie was stressed. She had less than two weeks before the deadline her mother had given her to get a job or she would be kicked out of the manor. When she was stressed, Jessie liked to go to the manor kitchens and learn how to bake the treats she loved. The last few times she stress-baked, she had started raiding the tea cupboard and created her own mixtures of flavors. Lately, she had been dreaming of the upcoming spring when the gardens would bloom. Inspired, she had mixed a very floral tea with honey and citrus. As she sipped her tea, she grew more calm, even as she considered her uncertain future. Jessie had tried many of the jobs that were offered to her in the last year, but none of them felt like a good fit. She had tried working in a mailroom for a major bank. She had tried being a file runner for a law firm. She had tried being an intern at a newspaper. She had tried being a secretary and a personal assistant. She had even sat in classes at three local universities. Nothing stood out to her. She knew she needed to find something. Tonight was a monthly meeting. She loved the order meetings. It was one of the places she felt at home. For the last year, it felt like every other month another leaper offered her a job at their company. She appreciated the gestures and was sure that her mother was asking everybody to find something for her. She expected another offer at that meeting, but was keeping her hopes low. It may be the least appealing job yet. Halfway through the meeting, Jessie was growing tired. Harold Gardner was an officer, but nobody knew where he was. Everyone was expressing concerns about his well-being. His businesses were failing, he lost a ton of money in the last month, and most recently, his oldest children had made the news for their poor judgment and self-control. Without him, others tried to give his report, but it was not working. An hour after the rest agreed to table his report and move on, Harold burst into the room. He was apologizing profusely, but was still required to explain his tardiness to the order. Harold explained that he had been arrested as part of a prostitution sting. His life really was falling apart before their eyes. After the meeting ended, Henry Wensler, a good friend of Jessie's mother, who Jessie grew up calling Uncle Wentz, walked around the room and sat next to her. Hey, Jessie, you doing all right? I am, she said, half lying. I know your mother wanted you to have a job by the end of the month, he said as he put his arm around her. It didn't work out with you being an intern for the Times, but I want you to know that I may have something else for you if you are still looking. Jessie looked at him with intrigue. For her whole life, he had always worked at the Times. He was a reporter and now editor-in-chief. If he had other businesses, she certainly did not know about them. What's the job? she asked. Well, you know how the Mrs. and I opened a coffee shop in the building where we work? I didn't know that, Jessie answered truthfully. Oh, well, we opened a new shop, and it is doing surprisingly well. We've recently started to have trouble staffing it, especially during the peak morning hours. 
I know it's just a barista gig, but it's yours if you want it. Jessie was hesitant. Part of her loved the idea of working in a small shop where she could smell the coffee and teas and whatever snacks they made. The other part of her was worried that everyone in her family would judge her for taking a job they perceived to be beneath their family status. Why don't you think about it, Wensler said as he stood back up. Maybe come by the shop first thing tomorrow and see what you think. Yeah, I'll do that, she said as she stood up to give him a hug. Thanks, Uncle Wentz. December 24th, 2018 Christmas at Beckham Manor is a magical time. As a child, Jessie loved when the decorations would go up, turning her usual home into a winter holiday castle. The pageantry and the family traditions were probably what made her love the secret ritualistic nature of the order later in life. Each year, they would have the workers put on a Christmas pageant where they would sing songs, perform biblical reenactments, or perform other talents they had. Jessie loved the show so much that when she was a little girl, she asked to perform in it as well. She had not worn ballet shoes in years, and by now she had forgotten most of the sugar plum fairy choreography, but there was something about the celebration that remained magical to her. As she reminisced with her mother, Nigel entered the room. Excuse me, madams. Miss Jessie, your grandfather has requested to speak with you in his study. Oh, thank you, Nigel, Jessie said as she stood up. Do you know what this is about? She asked her mother. I might, she said as she gestured for her to leave. We can continue our chat when you get back. Jessie knocked on the French doors of the study and smiled at her grandfather Joseph as she entered. He was sitting behind the great wooden desk smoking his pipe. You wanted to see me? Yes, come in, come in, he said as he gestured to the chairs in front of the desk. Have a seat, please. Jessie obliged and smiled at him from across the desk. So, you are still working for Henry? he asked. I am. I have been working a lot of shifts and have earned quite a reputation among the others in my position. I may even get promoted sometime. This is the coffee shop thing, right? Yes, but we sell other things, like tea and pastries and sandwiches. She was not sure why, but she felt like she was being defensive. I made a drink that everyone likes so much that it's now on our menu. A drink? Joseph said in a somewhat dismissive tone. How long do you think you are going to be there before you do something more meaningful? I'm just not sure what I want to do, that's all, Jesse said, feeling somewhat attacked. You are capable of greater things. You are a member of the Order. This job is below you. Jesse sunk in her chair. Her grandfather almost sounded angry. The two sat in silence for what felt like several minutes before there was a knock on the door. There you two are. Jessie turned around and saw her mother escorting her great-grandma Gigi into the office. Behind them, Nigel held a platter for tea. Gwendolyn made herself comfortable in the sitting area of the study. Mother, I was having a conversation with Jessica. Oh, I heard, she said while looking disprovingly at him. We all heard. Jessie admired the way her Gigi was always able to quietly and respectfully diss people. It was particularly effective with her son. Jessie, dear, do have a seat next to me. Jessie quickly walked over to the couch and sat next to her. Joseph, my boy, would you care to join us? 
Jessie watched as her grandfather used every inch of self-control he had to not say anything as he walked over to the couch and sat next to Jessie. Christmas Eve tea is a family tradition, Gwendolyn said as she stirred her cup. Tradition is important, Jessie. Someday these traditions will be all you have left of us. Gigi, she protested. Mother, that is enough, Joseph said with a tone of anger in his voice. Jessie knew things had been hard on him since her grandmother died. She had been sick for some time, but it did not lessen the blow. Jessie saw that her grandfather still had her wreath on the shelves behind his desk. Jessie looked at her mother and saw tears swelling in her eyes. Jessie could not imagine how she felt. She would be a mess if her mother died. Let's talk about something else, Jessie piped up. Yes, tell me, what job are you doing now, Jessie? Gwendolyn said as she sipped her tea. Jessie told her about the coffee shop and the drink she had created that made it onto the menu. That's wonderful, my dear, Gwendolyn said when she had finished. You have been at this job for some time. Do you think you will stay there for a while longer? I'm not sure. I might try something new if the right offer comes, she said while avoiding making eye contact with anybody. I saw those photographs you took of the gardens, said Gwendolyn. Maybe you can do something with that. Yeah, maybe, Jessie said as she sipped her tea quietly. The four sat in silence for a while. Everybody was watching Gwendolyn, waiting for her to finish her tea. With one final sip, she put the cup on the dish and Nigel swooped in and cleared everything away. Now then, Gwendolyn said once Nigel closed the doors on his way out. Shall we discuss nomination packets? Jessie listened as the three discussed their list of potential nominees for the order. The nomination packets were quite extensive. Nominations are made a year out, the February meeting before a leap year. This allowed for time to observe the applicants and evaluate their worthiness. This was all new to Jessie. Being in the most recent class did not prohibit her from nominating anybody, but she was excited to see how the process worked from the other side. Jessie, have you given any thought to nominating anybody? Her mother asked. Me? Oh, no. I don't know who I would nominate. I'm just excited to see how this whole process works. Would you want to be a guardian for somebody? Her mother asked. Eventually, yes, Jessie answered. But I'm not sure I'm ready for that. You have a month to decide all of that, Gwendolyn said. I'm sure when the time comes, you will do brilliantly. December 25th, 2018. Christmas Day. A time when families would get together and celebrate with food and presents. For Isaac, it was one of the busier days on the dark web. Last-minute gifts, errands, and travel made people less suspicious and less secure with their personal information. The end of the calendar year brought with it a time of reflection for Isaac. Nearly three years had passed since he purchased the rundown storage center by the docks. From the outside, it looked like an abandoned, decrepit place, but inside, behind the garage doors, he had done serious work. Isaac liked to spend every holiday at one particular homeless shelter downtown. It was across the street from the apartment he had grown up in. Some of the people who helped raise him lived there most of the time. When he wasn't playing with the kids, he liked to spend time with some of the volunteers. He would even help prepare and serve the dinners. The looks of hope and sincere gratitude were things he appreciated to this day. 
He never felt like his father had time for him, but all of the people at the shelter loved him. They treated him like family, and he loved them for it. The regulars especially became another set of parents for him, celebrating his accomplishments and comforting him when he needed it. For as much good work as the homeless shelters and their volunteers did, Isaac knew that it was not enough. So many people were turned away every night and had to sleep outside in the elements. This problem only got worse as he grew up, and now that he was older, he planned to do something about it. He was secretly converting all of the empty storage units into shelter apartments. Insulated and climate-controlled as much as he could, each unit housed as many as six beds, with some of the smaller units being reserved for families with young children. It was a dream he and his childhood best friend shared, to build a place for the others who had nowhere else to go. Isaac helped at his usual homeless shelter for the whole dinner service and told them about his new overflow housing by the docks that was officially open just in time for Christmas. As Isaac looked at all the people sharing a meal and having a good time together, he felt good about giving back in every way that he could. After dinner, Isaac left the shelter to open his units for overflow housing. As he stood at the subway station, he became lost in thought. He had spent so many holidays with the homeless because his father was too busy getting blackout drunk in his study. He couldn't help but think of sharing the evening with the family he never had. He pulled out his phone and pulled up Carson's address. He had found it online the day he met Carson at the Memorial Day Festival. He knew it may be a bad idea, but he needed to know what he had missed out on. He got on the next train and headed west. A few stops later, he was walking down the snowy streets towards his destination. He imagined Carson walking to the station every day to go to school or work. He wondered how different his life would have been if he had grown up with Carson on that same street. He looked up as he reached the house. It was a simple townhome, not too different from its neighbors. The front windows were framed in yellow Christmas lights, and a big tree was visible in the front room. Isaac looked from across the street as Carson and his grandparents sat in the living room laughing and sharing hot beverages. The longer he stood on the street, the more emotional Isaac felt. He felt angry that he did not get the life Carson had. He felt hurt that he did not get the loving family he had. He felt tears swelling in his eyes as he thought about how much he resented his father. He longed for that sense of belonging, the desire to be loved and valued that he always knew was there, but he had suppressed as much as he could, was bubbling over. Perhaps joining that organization his father's notes and the Stuart Kelly journals referred to was what he needed most. I'll be seeing you again soon, brother. To be continued. <laughs>